Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville Restaurant Resort Group has announced it will launch a new cruise line next year. Though, I don't know if I like the idea of someone that relaxed running a ship. Iceberg, right ahead! Hey, man, it's probably more scared of that than we are of it. That's kind of a funny joke, but uh, boy, Jimmy Buffett is a super crazy, buttoned-up, super smart businessman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got developments now. Margarita developments, they're like uh, retirement communities for people who like to party. It's like, uh, you know, gray around the temple, spring break all the time. From what I understand, I've never seen yep. one, but I was reading about them the other day. Um, so I'm out of the hospital if you're following the show at all. Uh, five and a half days total out of about a week I spent in the hospital. Lost five pounds. I highly recommend the hospital as a, as a weight loss program. And we checked. Some, it wasn't just having his gallbladder yanked. Your gallbladder only weighs a couple ounces. Oh, so, although somebody texted that I lost muscle and water. Well, I don't think I lost water. They pumped me full of fluids the whole time I was there, so that doesn't make any sense. Whether I lost muscle or fat, I don't have any idea. I hope I didn't lose muscle. I won't, I won't be able to put on my own shoes. I mean, I wasn't starting from a good place. but <laughs> Well, your face looks thinner, and, you know, apparently you can still move your jaw, so you still have uh, your facial muscles no, going. I, so. I'm, I'm, I'm positive I've lo- I lost fat. So, yeah, I highly recommend the be-in-the-hospital-for-four-straight-days diet. God, that was a long four days. Holy crap. Oof. Oh, it's just... It's just, how often are you ever in the same room for four days? Let alone, you know, in a hospital bed, sick, everything that goes with that. Right. It's just, it's just weird. You're not used to that sort of existence. Well, right. So you're there stuck in a room. You're laying down all the time. And as twitchy as you are, that had to be really tough. They come in periodically and stab you with sharp objects. <laughs> And, and once in a while, and, and, and trust us, uh, we were all paying attention to this. Once in a while, a doctor came in and said to you essentially, eh, you could be headed toward the grave. We're not sure. we got to do a couple more tests. The or certainly of- on the highway toward Graveville. And your life doesn't stop. I mean, the real world doesn't stop when you go into the hospital. So the number of like personal life crises I was dealing with from my hospital bed was just, oh, really including lawyers and all kinds of stuff, was just really unpleasant. So oh, anyway, gosh. I'm glad to be out um, and uh, spend a lot of time reading, uh, more time so reading sorry, than doing I'm sorry, the thought occurs to me. So you're laying there, they come in and stab you with sharp objects now and again. You decide anybody else needs a stabbing, you go to jail. How is that fair? You know, you're sitting there, there are people haranguing you. You probably felt like, you know, jabbing them with a needle. Yeah. You'd go to jail, people would call you a lunatic. Yeah, this this is interesting. Now, I know I don't know how many people are needle phobias or stuff like that. Um, I am. I've certainly gotten better at it over the years uh, through immersion therapy. I mean, just if you have to get jabbed enough times, eventually you get over your phobia and your brain starts to recognize what's real. But mm-hmm. the shot in the belly that I had to get every night before I went to bed did not hurt more than any other needle. But it was just the idea of it that was so horrific. And I just, I never got over the idea of how horrible that sounds. Oh, golly, I haven't either. (laughs) And then in reality, when they took my IV out yesterday uh, that I had in for four days, in reality, by far, the most painful thing that happened to me the whole time I was there was pulling the tape off of my arm and pulling the hair out. Yeah. 
pulling that wow. like super sticky tape because they got to get the IV in there really solid and waterproof and so it doesn't come out. Not even close. It was probably three <laughs> times as painful as anything else that happened to me was pulling that tape off of my arm. It's all in your head and all this other stuff. Yeah. Because so, for that, it's just like, God, that hurts. You know, you're just wincing, but you don't have any of the fear around it because it's not a needle going into your belly. It's just sure. hair being pulled out of your arm, but it's way more painful. Yeah, so, beautiful hair. Till we ripped it out. I wish I could teach my kids that just because, you know, they, they get, they're scared of various medical procedures. The, the what actually hurts and what actually doesn't. You stub your toe. It's more painful than most uh, procedures you get done ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, you know, it's a, there are different kinds of fear, uh, and 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 the fear of being jabbed into your innards is a deep <laughs> caveman fear that exists for a oh, good yeah. reason. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh boy, oh boy is right. <laughs> oh, and then we got oh, this because I'm sorry. One more note from your your recovery. This is so crazy. You got to keep this in mind. And I'm not trying to argue a particular point of view. We got an email. We've been talking about the vaccine. Coincidentally, I'm getting my, uh, my booster jab in this afternoon. Um, uh, we've heard from people said, Hey, my friend got the, uh, got the vaccine. Three days later, he had a heart attack. Okay. I don't doubt that that's true. I'm sure you wouldn't lie to us. We wouldn't lie to you. Um, we we got an email from a gal who was listening to your description of her of your gallbladder attack and and she had a couple of really difficult childbirths and was talking about how uh, several women said it's worse than childbirths she thought those must have been not so bad childbirths blah 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 next day gallbladder attack rushed to the hospital excruciating pain so clearly talking about gallbladder attacks on the radio <laughs> causes them. <laughs> That's funny. I'd never even heard of one before I had one. I didn't even mm-hmm. know it was a thing. But um, oh, We didn't get this text, so I want to pass this along since Joe has been doing the show by himself, which is a lot of work for the last if it, week. If Joe- it's a Joe sucks text, I've already read the emails. <laughs> no, it's a Joe Getty is one of the great American orators. We are lucky to listen to Joe. Wow. One of you the thought great I was insufferable before, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, you. It's very kind of you to say. I just had to put a towel on my chair because I'm sitting on this wooden chair, and because I've lost some weight from being in the hospital, I've all my, my all my ass fat is gone. So I just got my bones <laughs> resting against the chair, my bony bum. I'm glad that's the reason you have to sit on a towel. I wasn't sure what you were going to say. <laughs> no, it's just I'm so bony now; it's uncomfortable. Um. Now, Please get very, Mr. very strong at Diaper. Oh, I'm sorry. Very serious. Change in tone. Uh, getting very serious. Following up on a couple of stories now. Th- these both happened just yesterday. U.S. Gymnastics and the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee reached a $380 million settlement yesterday with athletes who were assaulted by the team doctor, Larry Nasser over the past several decades. Okay, so you got that story. U.S. Gymnastics, $380 million story. The Boy Scouts for similar reasons, agreed to an $800 million settlement in their bankruptcy. That's with insurers and everything like that. And they're establishing a fund that's going to be worth something like $2 billion that for over the years various cases can tap into and everything like that. And I think out of that fund they'll pay for um, therapy. So, like, if you were freaking raped as a Boy Scout by a freaking ought to be in prison forever Boy Scout leader back in the day. 
you can get uh, whatever therapy you need paid for by this fund. But So between those two things and the Catholic Church, which has been doing it for a thousand years, does does mankind just need to settle into the fact that there are enough pedophiles around that we just have to assume that's going to happen with any organization? Is that where we are on this, or what do you think? Yeah, and, and I'm loath to admit this because, as I've discussed through the years, some of the creeping awareness of the creeps started when I was a youth sports coach. And so some leagues started to put into effect rules that I found just just insulting and right. sad and idiotic. Um, you know, protecting kids obviously takes precedence over my feelings. But, um, yeah, I just I think we need to have enough safeguards in place that predators are are unable to do their thing. It just it does seem to be true that any, no, I any see, organization I I, that's going to have a lot of young people come to it is going to attract predators. Uh, we need to recognize that. I don't think you're going to stop it, though, by stopping you know child youth coaches like you from being able to give a kid a hug or a pat on the back or whatever. That's not how you're going to catch these guys. You know how you catch these people because it happened in every instance? The first time somebody accuses one of them of raping them, you believe them. Yeah. That's the way you're going to catch these people. Yeah, yeah. You put the interests of the children ahead of your giant multi-trillion dollar organization, for instance. Of course, that's asking a lot of human beings, apparently. Or if you know that you have a Boy Scout leader who's been molesting kids, or a priest who's been molesting kids, or a volleyball coach, instead of just having them go to another town so that you don't have to deal with it anymore, and you know they are, and you send them to another town, how about you you know, get the law involved? Because all of, of these organizations have done this. A lot of people are cowards. I don't know, but I thought those two giant cases settling yesterday, we just need to come to the conclusion that if youth are involved, predators are going to try to find their way into that organization to take advantage. Yeah, yeah. Now, we established earlier in the show that nobody watches CNN. Among cable news shows, you have to get down to 27th place to see a CNN show. And there are only like you know, half a dozen cable news channels. You got to get down to 27th place. Having said that, one of their senior producers was arrested for being a sexual predator and trafficker. You know, we could get to that story maybe at some point. The only reason I'm doing it, not because it's sensational or titillating or anything, it's sickening mostly, but the style of grooming that was used. You take that side by side with the Jelaine Maxwell case that's going on right now. And I just I think it's a it's a, a handy heads up, useful heads up to parents if they see really nice, helpful people who've really taken an interest in their kids. There are certain behaviors that ought to uh, trip your your uh oh filter, not just kindness in general or ge- generosity or that sort of thing, but there are some particular behaviors. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Plus, I realize it's stupid, but I want to hear the Let's Go Brandon song. Can we do that this uh, this hour? <laughs> I've just I've been thinking that. about it for days. Awesome. I don't know. I know. Silly. Pull that bad and kept care. Yes, sir. Uh, so a bunch of news to catch up on, too. Uh, one thing I did get to do in the hospital was read a lot, so a bunch of different things on the way. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. President Biden signed an executive order today that directs lawmakers to modernize government services that directly affect Americans. For more details, there's a number you can fax. <laughs> I know. Um, ABC News, two-thirds of Americans, really more, 70% of Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of the inflation. 70% of Americans disapprove. Come on. And 57 disapprove as ha- handling of the economic recovery in general. Those are bad numbers, man. Sinking ship, dude. Sinking that ship. Is, those are bad numbers. I said um, you're kidding me. Luckily, the first mate is a dunder-pated, numbskull do-nothing. Kamala Harris. <laughs> Useless. Um, another story. I did you guys talk about Nicaragua is now siding with China and not us? Yes. Uh, well, no, but I saw that headline. Yeah, Nicaragua, Nicaraguan foreign minister announced last week that their country is severing diplomatic ties with Taiwan and uh, in favor of Beijing. So then China sent like a mil, uh, 100 million COVID doses to them, COVID vaccine doses to them. So it was just a buy-off. I mean, it was just a, it was a bribe is what it was. So now sure. there are only 14 countries recognizing Taiwan as being an actual country. And China is buying them off one by one. That's a little scary. One other story I wanted to hit. Harley Davidson has spun off its electric motorcycle division. It's now on its own. But as a motorcycle rider and a guy who currently drives an electric car, I have not ridden an electric motorcycle. I would think it would be damn near terrifying. As this electric car is so much faster than any car I've been in, I can't imagine what an electric motorcycle is like. How do you have the arm strength to hang on when you hit the throttle on that thing? Well, it's instantaneous 100% torque, right? Is that yeah. the deal with electric motors? What, whatever so, amount of power you have is instantaneous. Jeez. You almost have to have a seat back. I mean, you've got to have a seat back to hold you on the thing, to keep your arms from stretching. I mean, you'd be walking down the street like an ape. you got arms down to your ankles I mean, okay. after a few rides. <laughs> I think that's how that works. Okay, so we got this text. I think I know how Joe's going to vote, but I'll throw it out there anyway. I'm oh, not just going to do it. So we, we've gotten on the topic of needles and I was at the hospital and things that hurt and things that didn't hurt and things that are in my imagination and things that are phobias and that sort of stuff. We got a text from somebody about something that's pretty awful. Oh, but boy. I can't. I've, I've read it. I'll never not think about it. Oh, boy. It seems like it's impactful, but, you know, we don't want to be shock jocks. No. Um. Do is there a way to warn people to to give them some idea of what's coming without giving it away? Well, it's a, it's a particular shot that was painful. Oh golly! Oh golly! 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 How about if you really don't want to hear it, you turn out for tune out for like one minute? I'll just it, read you the text. Was it down yonder? On the subject of painful needle stabbing, six years ago I got infected in one of the rarest funguses in the world in my right eye. And every Friday, I had to go in and get a needle stuck in my eye five times so that we could oh. cover or could get the antifungal medicine underneath the fungus. Oh. They had two orderlies that held me down, and it would take an hour to recover from each time because it hurt so much. Oh. And the, I the only reason counseling. I, the only reason I read that is like I had some stuff they were doing to me in the hospital that I, I had to psych myself up for. I think this has to happen. You need to do it. It's not that big a deal. Just think of, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure I could get myself to the place mentally 
that I would drive myself to the hospital and get those shots in the eyeball. I think I'd chicken out. I suppose I'd have to convince myself, too. Do you want to see or not? Or maybe it was probably life-threatening. Holy, I just, oh, I wish you hadn't read that to us. Oh, but speaking of uh, speaking of that sort of thing, I uh, heard from Marshall Phillips yesterday, our beloved newsman, who had oh, a bunch that's of eye right. procedures. I owe him a call back. He called me. I talked to him for like 30 seconds right when uh, one of the big doctors walked in, and I had to let him go, and I didn't call him back. Yeah, he called while I was on the elliptical yesterday. I called him back. I didn't catch him, but uh, I'd love to talk to Marsh. He was in a very good mood in telling me how he's moved toward the uh, cannabis edibles, and he was in a very oh. chipper mood. Well, that's an so, impossible uh, uh, thing to figure out there. <laughs> <laughs> I've been shocked at the number of, of people I've met of, uh, of uh, achievement, of people of substance, who are into the edibles. It's super popular in the states where it's legal. And probably somewhere, some places it isn't. What are you going to have busts, roadside busts? Because I got two gummy bears in my pocket. And it's just, it's just a way to wind down at the end of the day, like a glass of wine or something. Yeah. Super low dose of THC, I guess. They have different blends for different needs. I haven't uh, indulged myself, but, uh huh. Hmm. Cause you're a good Christian man. If you miss Not an hour really. of the show, go to armstrongandgetty.com. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring ting tingling too. So we will get to it this half hour. A whole bunch of texts have come out from Donald Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, which shows that a whole bunch of your Fox hosts that a lot of you uh, really like and watch every single night were begging the president to do something on January 6th. Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, Brian Kilmeade. It's pretty interesting. Worth noting that each one of them are huge uh, Trump supporters and remain so to this day. Don Trump Jr. himself. So uh, we'll get to that this half hour. So uh, a a rather unpleasant meal and then a delicious dessert this segment. I want to tell you uh, some stuff that's going on in the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. That's Jeffrey Epstein's pervo, weirdo, girlfriend, sex trafficking lady. <clears throat> and then, God, uh, what just, a weird situation that whole thing is. Oh, so strange. My my daughter uh, uh, tweeted or texted at me, the weirdest aspect of this trial so far. At one point, this gal, she stares at the sketch artist in the classroom, in the uh, courtroom, stares at her and starts sketching her. I mean, what kind of weird power play is that? Maxwell did? Maxwell is staring at the sketch artist, sketching her, sketches her back. To me, you sketch out of me, this, I'll sketch you. I think I get what Jeffrey Epstein is. I don't get what Maxwell is. I think she might be completely crazy. Well, she's the rare super predator perval women, but woman, but they do exist. So anyway, um, there's this CNN producer who was uh, trafficking in little girls and getting mothers to offer up their little girls for sex. I mean, just oh. a horrific story. It, it's almost worth going into the details because it's so. It's such a view into the minds of people who you'll probably never meet and run into. But your predators find a way to identify and connect with people like that. 
It's worth knowing. And the the interesting thing about the Jelaine Maxwell trial, great editorial written by Maggie Krell, who's a former prosecutor who prosecuted sex trafficking, um, and talks about the sexually abusing teens. Extraordinary as the trial appears, and as horrific as the allegations against Maxwell are, it's actually a textbook sex trafficking case, reflective of a pervasive and devastating industry that preys on America's most vulnerable teenagers. Human trafficking, defined as the obtaining of labor or commercial sex through force, fraud, or coercion, or any commercial sex involving a minor, is the second largest criminal industry in the world, and among the fastest growing. Behind the evidence. Uh, it doesn't actually say. Uh, drugs is probably number one. Right? Probably. <clears throat> yeah. The evidence so far suggests that Maxwell, Maxwell was masterful at gaining trust and manipulating insecure teenage girls through gifts, promises, uh, special attention, and even a cute dog. This is a tried and true strategy for virtually every sex trafficker, whether it be over Instagram in the Bay Area or at a Taylor Swift show in Idaho. Indeed, the allegations, uh, the actions, the alleged actions of Maxwell and Epstein are typical of trafficking and exploitation in the U.S. Far from the kidnappings and dramatic basement dungeons of Law and Order SVU, exploitation can happen in plain sight with devastating effects. Uh, and they talk about some of the witnesses. Um, Traffickers groom victims by identifying their needs and insecurities. Abusers will purport to fulfill these needs, whether they be financial, emotional, or a combination thereof. Could be as simple as providing a place to stay or a ride out of town. For many teenage girls, it is special attention and affection. During the trial this week, Kate, in quotes, testified that the first time she hung out with Maxwell, she felt special. She was a lonely 17-year-old who hadn't found a group of friends yet. Maxwell seemed very exciting and everything I wanted to be and described Epstein as a philanthropist who liked to help young people. This behavior sounds a lot like grooming. Then they go into the uh, the, the summer you know camp in sucks? Michigan sponsored by this guy. What really sucks, and this gets to what we were talking about earlier, You know, uh, that sounds a lot like grooming. You know what it also sounds like? Philanthropists who like to ha- help children. That sounds like that's kindness. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And so they talk about, you know, this whale, one gal had just lost her dad. Can you imagine? Saying, wow, that's a hot prospect to rape right there. She's probably feeling really bad and insecure. That's what these people are like. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they, they recruited her and treated her well and gave presents and had, had mom come along, took her to movies, bought her clothing, chatted with her about her social life. She seemed to care about Jane's career aspirations. Uh, Maxwell talked about sex and sexual encounters casualty, uh, a casually rather, a tactic that can desensitize potential victims. They get more and more sexual as it goes. Um, mm. and it's, it's just something. It goes on detail after detail, victim after bi- victim, using kindness and fake compassion to recruit, you know, sex slaves in essence. Just crazy. It's- how knowingly do uh, predators do that? Is that just built into them so much that they do it without even really thinking about it that much, I wonder? Oh, I think they think about it. They know what they're doing. The same way, you know, if I'm at some uh, social gathering and I hit it off with a woman back in my single days or whatever, uh, uh, you know, I suppose some of it is unconscious, but I'd be aware of, hey, this is going really well. I think we're hitting it off. Or I suppose, uh, you know, you're... Uh a salesman in real estate, and you talk to somebody at a party who says they're thinking about getting rid of their home. They think, okay, there's a possibility. Right, right there, I need to get in touch with him. Yeah. I suppose yeah, it's just exactly. as simple as that. Yeah, it's something. It's something, and that is the vast majority of uh, recruitment for sex trafficking, that sort of thing. It's, you know, legendary, the pimp. 
this is generally, you know, in a more urban setting. But uh, initially, they're the friend, the protector, the boyfriend, the loving presence. Then uh, you got to help pay the bills, though. So why don't we put you out on the street? No, I won't be jealous. In fact, you got to do it. So it always starts with the fake compassion, which is sickening. But I thought that was uh, that was revealing. So you know, if there's some, you know. Some 30-year-old guy suddenly takes a giant philanthropic interest in your 17-year-old daughter. Just be aware, all right? Just be aware. Mm, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, <clears throat> again, nobody's talking about this trial much, which I found notable given all the attention paid to Epstein, so I thought I'd bring you up to date, and, and that was an interesting aspect of it to me. But having done that, as I promised, and I know this is silly, and I know I could probably find it elsewhere, but every time I hear the phrase, let's go Brandon, or LGB, or I wear one of our A&G, let's go Brandon t-shirts, I think of the song, I haven't heard it since we last played it, let's enjoy it together. L. G B L G B L G B L G B They say L G B everywhere I go L G B What it means I don't know L G B Whatever it is L G B Alrighty then. Thank you. Let's go, Brandon. Right? This means let's go, Brandon. No. GB. Sounds like let's go, Brandon, I guess. All right. Let's go, Brandon. I am Cornelio. Chant. Right wing and left wing. GB. Go, you know the thing. GB, you don't sing that back. GB, and you ain't black. GB, <laughs> let's go, Brandon. GB, let's go, Brandon. GB, let's go, Brandon. FJB, let's go, Brandon. I'm Joe Biden, and I forgot this message. No. I was talking about this the uh, you know last hour when we played that weird Brian Williams rap song. Who wakes up in the morning and thinks, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a. I'm going to spend hours, days, weeks. How long does it take to edit together a Let's Go Brandon song? Let's the what song? I guess maybe an ACDC song. Yeah, that's what I'm going to. I don't. I appreciate them doing it. That's hilarious. It's everybody as funny as I remember. But how much work is that? So. um I uh, we appreciate all listeners, appreciate all texters. I unfortunately apparently have attracted a uh, a certain subgroup of texters who want to hit me with things that happened to them in the hospital that were more painful than mine. Oh, I'm getting no, a lot no, of those no. texts and horrifying things that they had done to them. Write about um, it on your blog. <laughs> I'm not sure I need to hear any more of them. Let's just uh, let's just go with we've we've all had bad things happen at the hospital. Although, like I said earlier, I don't. I'm pretty sure my, neither my mom or dad has spent four days cumulative in their lives in the hospital, and I just did four days in a row. So, not everybody spends time in the hospital. Um, we now know that there were a number of the biggest Fox hosts that exist that were begging Trump to do something on January 6th to try to slow down the uh, the mob breaking into the the, the Capitol including his own son, which is kind of interesting, came out in text yesterday. We can hit you with those coming up in just a little bit. 
an interesting angle to the story, and I'm just wondering how some of you all feel about it. That's on the way next. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I wish you a Merry Christmas. I wish you a Merry Christmas. So we haven't spent much time talking about the January 6th hearings. I imagine we'll talk about them when they actually happen and that they're going to Democrats are in charge of this and they're going to delay it. They're going to try to have it as close to the election as possible, hoping to damage Republicans. And I'm sure it'll get a lot of news now uh, then. But the whole you know, Bannon's been subpoenaed, defying the subpoena, then he's subpoenaed, you know, that back and forth. We haven't really covered that much because I'm frankly not that interested. in Whoever is going to be forced to show up will show up and then they'll testify and then we can discuss it. But kind or of an interesting take the fifth or they'll take the fifth kind of an interesting wrinkle that happened yesterday, though, is that uh, Donald Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Briefly was cooperating with the investigation and turned over a whole bunch of uh, texts and emails and stuff like that. Then he stopped cooperating, but it was too late for some of these texts and emails. So some of the texts that came out yesterday are from Trump-friendly people that uh, were very concerned about what was going on on January 6th. Then Liz Cheney, who is an anti-Trump Republican from Wyoming who's on the committee, she was reading some, in this case, from Donald Trump Jr. As the violence continued, one of the president's sons texted Mr. Meadows, quote, he's got to condemn this shit ASAP. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough, Donald Trump Jr. texted. Meadows responded, quote, I'm pushing it hard, I agree. Still, President Trump did not immediately act. Donald Trump Jr. texted again and again, urging action by the president. Quote, we need an Oval Office address. He has to lead now. It has gone too far and gotten out of hand, end quote. But hours passed without necessary action by the president. These non-privileged texts are further evidence of President Trump's supreme dereliction of duty during those 187 minutes. Well, that will be the judgment of the voter when the time comes. But uh, unless you're so into a conspiracy that you believe this somehow is fake, uh, and I don't know how that would come to be, um, Donald Trump Jr. was telling his own dad, do something. This has gotten completely out of hand. you got to do something now, which I find pretty interesting. Some uh, Trump-supporting Fox News opinion hosts were also texting. Please get him on TV. Fox and Friends co-host Brian Kilmeade texted that day to Mark Meadows. Destroying everything you have accomplished. Can he make a statement? Sean Hannity texted. Ask people to leave the Capitol. That's from Sean Hannity. This is from Laura Ingram. Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He's destroying his legacy. And Ingram led off her show that night by saying the riot will only serve to make the lives of MAGA supporters more difficult and even imperil this movement they fought so hard for, which it clearly has. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how that strikes some of you. The fact that, well, you can't get a bigger supporter than your own son, obviously, who's saying this ass has gotten out of hand. you got to do something. What you've done so far is not enough. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, it, it's funny. I've I've settled into an understanding of January 6th that I'm pretty comfortable with. I mean, I'm uncomfortable with what happened, but there's a wide variety of people there from people utterly intent on violence to some folks who got swept up along and, and did things they shouldn't have done to just tourists and people who thought, this is crazy, let's go to the rally and that sort of thing. So from the completely guilty to the completely innocent. And I have never had any problem dealing with the fact that on my side of the political aisle, there's one, two, three percent of people. I don't know what the percentage is. Maybe it's even five percent. There's five percent of us that are nuts, and I wish you weren't on my side because you make me look bad. I've known that for a long time. There are some people, including some of you folks, and, and we love you and we thank for listening. Thank you for listening, and we're sorry if you find this frustrating. There's some folks who just can't concede, or maybe they don't want to concede, that there's a certain number of our folks uh, that who are nuts. I don't know who do bad things, who do things I don't approve of. You know, I'm I'm a staunchly conservative, uh, small L libertarian. But if you shoot a liberal judge, I, I, I find that abhorrent, horrible, unthinkable. I don't know. Some people I, just, they can never admit that their side has gone too far or done too much. And then you got the Tucker Carlson thing, convincing a lot of people that it was a false flag operation. It was secret liberals or the FBI and all. Well, so, well, that, you know, that story is all information that has been gathered since then, and you either buy into it or you don't. What's interesting mm-hmm. about these texts to me is just, just, you know, everybody had roughly the same amount of information at the same time that day. And people like Donald Trump, like his own son, and his some of his favorite Fox News hosts were telling him, dude, you got to do something here. Yeah, do an Oval Office address now. And what has been amazing to me since Donald Trump first came down the escalator is how often he would, you know... Hurt his own cause, and he's been mm-hmm. you know he's been more successful at a whole bunch of things than I am, but um, or have been. But uh, he, without January sixth, I think he's the odds-on favorite to be president in twenty-four. If By that had 30%, never happened, percent, yeah. And even with it, if he would let go of the fact that. You know, the election was stolen and everything like that. I think, I think if he'd, if he'd be quiet about that and focus on the economy and everything like that, then I'd be back to thinking he's the odds on favorite to be president again. So I don't understand why he wants to hurt himself like this. If he, if he, you know, if he quits back in the various politicians that are claiming the election was stolen and he just focuses on the future about the economy and how good the economy was when he ran it and everything, I think he wins. Economy, immigration, China. Oh, and immigration. And I didn't even mention immigration on how yeah. out of control the whole border has gotten since they did away with some of his policies or remind mm-hmm. people that, hey, they're still using some of my policies. You know why? The very policies they said were awful? Because they work. He could be president again. But if he's going to make his sole focus the fact that the election was stolen, I think it makes it a heck of a lot harder. Yeah, yeah, it does. I still don't think he's going to run again, but again. I'm I'm wrong semi-regularly. I could be wrong again. Yeah, okay, well, that's probably enough of that. It's a minefield. You know, on our side of the political aisle, people, a lot of people don't want to hear it. I already hear the clickety-clacketing of the uh, keyboards typing out angry, hateful, I'll never listen again emails, but yeah, I don't know. If you want somebody to uh, agree with 100% of the time, I guess you got to go somewhere else. Well, who, who are you, the clickety-clackety people? Who are you disagreeing with? Don Trump Jr., Laura Ingram, and Sean Hannity? 
Unless, like I said, you're so far down the road that you believe this is somehow fake, and I don't know how that would occur. Yeah, you'd have to yeah. have you'd have to have a lot of people in on it. Yeah. Well, what usually happens, the pattern of these things, is they'll pick something we said, wildly overstate what we said, and then angrily respond to that individual sentence. But, you know, go ahead if you want. That's fine. I might read them. Might not. Um, brr, moving along. Uh, moving along to what? I'm taking a look at the clock. Oh, a uh, quick update on the whole supply chain thing, Maruni. Maybe you're a Los Angelino or a... Long Beachian, and you're looking out and saying, wow, the number of container ships is way, way down sitting there off the uh, shore. <laughs> yeah, well, I've heard this. That's because the shipping industry has uh, gotten a lot better. They're either not leaving their home port or they're going super duper slow across the Pacific because there's no point in hurrying and burning well, in some cases, fuel. Some cases, from what I read, they just moved them a few miles further away so they're out of right. ice, uh, your line of sight. That's it. Right. It, it's said because, you know, the wind and waves can get pretty wild, and those are big, top-heavy ships, and they don't want them blowing around smashing into each other, which may or may not be true. But, yeah, there are every bit as many ships. They're just they're in a different parking lot. Yeah, hilarious. If you miss an hour of the show, you can always grab it on the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. We make that very convenient for you. Ah, yes, yes. Armstrongandgetty.com or wherever you get your podcast. If you haven't heard our recent XL podcast, a couple of great interviews, Check it out, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.